And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 294 of This Old Marketing, recorded on Thursday, October 21st, 2021. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and a guy, well, with as many guys that are missing from the Browns, might just have to suit up for the team, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are I'm you? A dev- I'm a uh, devastated how are you doing? Browns fan right now. Yeah, I, good Lord, man. And by the way, has screwed up my entire fantasy team. Oh, you had you Jarvis had Landry Chubb, is out. I have I had I had Nick Chubb and I had Kareem Hunt and I had Jarvis Landry and it's like oh my goodness gracious I I don't have enough running backs to field a team this week I, I'm having well, to go to the waiver the wire and neither do the Browns yeah there, right there you go. yeah it's it's unfortunate um, for those of you that weren't aware of what happened last weekend the Browns got utterly destroyed by Arizona and and wasn't even just the game score it was the fact that we got injured up and down the roster. Now, the good news oh, is my we may gracious. be getting our offensive tackle back and we may be getting Landry back this week. Maybe. But we also yeah. don't have a quarterback. I mean, we've got Case Keenum, who's a great backup. Very excited that we have Case Keenum, but Baker Mayfield's not playing. So, yeah, we're, I mean, we'll be at the game. You know, we're season ticket holders. So we're going to, it's of course, so nice that they set this up this way for us to get destroyed by Arizona on Sunday and then have to actually play a, a short week. Uh, yeah, Thursday night exactly. football. So that's uh, so it's it's fine. And congratulations to your Cowboys. Um, you know what's so exciting about the Cowboys this year is that they're winning the games they lost last year. That's exactly right. Same score, exactly right. Overtime, really close, last second stuff. But they've learned how to yep. win, which what all great teams do. And they obviously had the talent. Yep. So it's it's super exciting to see that. And I'm I'm you know I'm now I. I mean, you're you're living up to your part of the bargain. I am not. I have to now. If the Browns win miraculously over Denver today, then they then should. They should. They should. They realistically, Denver's should. very beatable. They have enough weaponry that they should be able. We'll go in at four and three after seven games. If we can get to five and three after eight games, I still feel very good about our chances, barring the fact that you know we've got to get healthy people. Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, because Pittsburgh's not going to do anything this year. Cincinnati's actually the weirdly that usually Cincinnati's in the bottom of the basement at this point, but they're they're not not they're not they're a bad well. team. They're not a pushover team. They're yeah. at least a five hundred team, maybe better. Yeah, and so yeah. that division is really uh, really going to be tough to get out of there. And Baltimore is no slouch, and then Pittsburgh always stays in it. Always, always a good defense. Um, you know, as long as Ben, Big Ben has protection, you never know what he can do. Um, <laughs> eh, I, it's it's starting to become pretty well known what Big Ben can do. Sorry, J.K. Yeah, I was trying yeah. to be nice to our friend. Yeah, but it's it's pretty it's it's pretty well. well I think known that everyone in Pittsburgh knows that they need a new new quarterback. And, you think? Well, I mean, if Ben was riding on his motorcycle, he could he could get there open it is. more and throw. But I don't think they <laughs> no. allow that. That's that's a bad uh, comment. Um, that's probably I hate letters are going to start coming in. Bad, hey, all I know is that the guy's a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt there about it, it. He's going into the Hall of Fame, 
And, Absolutely uh, right. You know, that's and and what do we have to show for it at the Browns? Nothing. I got nothing. We got yeah. Tim Couch. Yeah. Lately, that is. We still leaning on Bernie Kozar from the '80s and Brian Sipe from the Cardiac Kids. That's, that's all and we, uh, we're still back in the '90s, right? Got. Leaning on Troy Aikman. Yeah. Well, but you've got many Super Bowls in the last thirty years, and we do not. We have none. Well, yeah, we have zero. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, so. we. I, 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 I take the, I take the arrows in the heart from those who hate the Cowboys a lot, and that you know, but then, and they're well yeah. deserved because they have not been good over the well, they've been average. That's the, that's the problem with the Cowboys over the last twenty years is they've been average. It's better than the Browns. But my question to you is, uh, did yes. you, you didn't sell your Bitcoin, did you? Have you sold? No, God, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, you know, look to, uh, <laughs> it's been, it's been weird to see this ride. I mean, first of all, Bitcoin. And so I am a holder of Bitcoin, Cardano and Ethereum, um, all of which are, and a little bit of Doge. Um, uh, and all of them are Doge, like, but whatever. Oh, it's totally fun. Come on. I mean, it's just, I mean, just yeah, fun, that, right? If you're I mean, just, just doing it for that reason, that's fine. But Of course. Of it, it course gives, I'm doing it, it for that reason. There's no other reason to do opinion, it. But whatever. Yeah, whatever. yeah so it's... Um, it's doing well. It's doing... And and by the way, so is the rally coin that, uh, you know, which means tilt coin is 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 a good investment as well. Yeah, tilt has done, done very well. Um we don't like to focus on the price, but coin holders are very happy. Oh my God, you sound like a CEO. <laughs> Look it, oh I'm not going to get. You sound like a CEO talking to Wall Street. We don't focus on the stock price. We're here to provide best shareholder value and long term value for our well, investors. Well, the last thing that I want to do <laughs> is to have the SEC looking at looking yeah. at social tokens and community tokens, and I don't want them to. I, they've they've got enough to figure out with NFTs. I don't want them to come right. over to you. Got to you got to launder this money for at least another year or so before they I get don't attention. Want them to come close to what was as my, I I can't even go into some some places. Yeah, actually, tilt is done very well. I think the price of the coin right now is is what forty seven dollars a coin. It's very very nice. That's all. I, <laughs> that's yeah, all I have to very say. Very nice. We're, it's 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 the utility of the coin that's the important part. That's where we're building our membership right. levels. We've got exclusive content we're delivering. Hey, the good news is, in a very short period of time, you'll be able to use your Tilt coin to buy merch. That'll be launching any day now, so you can get your own Tilt T-shirt. Wow, there are actually cool. some really there's some really cool ones that we've got, I, and you'll love the one. It's uh, it the saying on the T-shirt says, "Thou shalt not build on rented land," and that's going to be my that's, that's the cute. one that I'm wearing out because nobody will get it except for us, except for content. That's creators. cute. I like it. So we've got a lot of those things, and you can get your mug, and you can get your stickers for your Apple computer and all that stuff. So <laughs> it's very <laughs> exciting. But I, I mean, I. Honestly, I'm in an, uh, I'm in the the uh, the Bitcoin Ethereum. I hold uh, Solana as well. I'm in for the long term on those and to see what they do. But I mean, it's just it, it's it's just basics of network effect and the fact that all governments are just printing money relentlessly and digital yeah. scarcity. Well, is I a think thing. I mean it is. And well, and I think I think. 
I mean, on the on the on the crypto side of things, it is the you know there have been some things that have happened over the last couple of months. The ETF we were actually going to cover it on the show, and then it didn't make the. Yeah, there's an all Bitcoin the, you know, sort of ETF available. ETF, so that, yeah. that basically pushed, seemed to push the momentum through the sixty thousand uh, dollar, yeah, sixty thousand price, and then and then then right, Ethereum, which was always considered sort of the yeah, wall, right? So, that was considered so the wall. Bitcoin hit the all time high. It touched sixty seven. I think right now, as we're recording this, it's around sixty four, and yep. uh, and then Ethereum is headed toward their all time high pretty soon which ethereum for those of you that don't know is really the money of the web if you wanted to buy yeah. an nft you have to have ethereum um yeah so yeah it's it's interesting the way it's weird i think we talked about it but it's it's a whole different world from when you go out and you're walking among other people that don't know anything about crypto or nfts or community coins it literally is like a completely different space they have no idea they, I mean, and then and then you'll, you'll get me on my rant where I'll talk about, oh, yeah, well, if you put your money in dollars, it's like a melting ice cube, which is what I really believe. And I get concerned. I get concerned about the wealth divide and a lot of things that I think crypto helps solve, which which most people are completely unaware of. Yeah, I think that's it. You know, and, and uh, you know, that's that's that's, of course, the, the danger, right, is, is that it is that you know, things pop before things get useful, right? You know, you, you, if you believe in that, uh, that Gartner hype cycle, right? You know, we're at that sort of the peak of inflated expectations kind of things. And if you, if it comes down too hard off of that before it can actually ramp up into the usefulness category, then, you know, you, you see a lot of, you, you see a lot of innovative things sort of end because people can't see the, you know, they, they can't see the future, the real future, the usefulness of it, and all of a sudden things blow up before it, you know, before it, uh, before it can get. Um, to yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't think we're close to being bubbly. Uh, no, no, I, I, I don't well, think so either. But I, but I, but it, it, but it is a concern for the, for the, for, you know, with, uh, you know, not that this is a finance show by, by, by any stretch of the imagination, but you start looking at the supply chain issues that are going on right now and, and the sort of general health of the economy, which is generally pretty darn good. Except for the late, um, massive labor shortages. You know, when shortages. you look at the fundamentals. Well, the lab, the but, labor uh, shortages aside from are the, a big problem. The supply right. shortages are a huge problem. Exactly. Exactly. Because that causes inflation and then that can trigger blah, 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 and that triggers blah, blah, blah. So, um, you know, it, so... Those are concerns because that will affect the price of crypto and that uh, does affect the perception of it, you know. And then the other thing is, is something we have talked about, which is, you know, the volatility of it affects its usefulness, right? It's, it's it, you know, we, we, we had a little Twitter chat about this where we can see events now and some people putting up, you know, hey, you can buy your ticket in crypto, right? But there's still pricing it in dollars right you, it's just you know you're having to you have that they have to because the price is so volatile you can't just stick up a thing saying buy it in bitcoin and today it might cost you x amount of bitcoin and tomorrow it might cost you y amount of bitcoin you can't the, that fluctuation can't really exist so you might be getting a huge deal if you buy it on monday and might be way overpaying well, for it if you buy it that's on friday you and i disagree because if you're you're eth is the that's that's the currency of the internet right now, and everything is priced in ETH. 
So there's like one ETH is no, no, no. I'm no. I'm talking about I'm talking about companies that are putting out events where they're saying buy your ticket in Bitcoin. I, well, I know they're right? they're doing that, but they're th- and they're pricing it in correct. dollars, right? So they're saying so basically they're saying the ticket to the show is a hundred bucks. Whatever that is in Bitcoin is what you're going to pay. So they're tying the value of Bitcoin to the dollar. That that has to change if if it's going to become useful. I don't think it matters, to be honest. It doesn't matter at all. This is just because people know dollars, they understand dollars, so you're not going to change your terminology. You're gonna you're gonna go to where your audience is at right now. That makes the most sense for them. They're not gonna put twenty four Satoshis. Nobody knows what the heck you're talking about. They don't get that. So at right now, what the that's get? the point. They, if nobody if nobody ever understands the value of Bitcoin, then it can't become a standard. Well, you're at the very very beginning of this, and right now with Bitcoin, you're in just store of value. Bitcoin is the story for Bitcoin right now is store of value. The Lightning Network is this, which is the secondary layer, which you'll be able to actually buy things off of. So think of things like the Visa and Mastercard. You know, you you don't buy a lot of things with dollars. What you buy off of the secondary networks with PayPal, with Visa, American Express, that's how we're, that's all circulated. Well, Bitcoin doesn't have a robust network yet. It's just Lightning Network, and that's what El Salvador is running right now. We're not there yet. We don't have the layer solutions. Ethereum is. Ethereum's already there. We have already got the wallets. Everything's working very well on OpenSea and SuperRare and Foundation and those types of things. So that's why Ethereum works really well for. That, that currency exchange you're talking about. But it's it's a diff it's it's a I don't think it's an either or, but that said, my I don't say it's a vision, but what I think will happen, let's say twelve to eighteen months, maybe twenty-four months, you'll be able to easily take a tilt coin, a rally coin, a Ethereum, Cardano, so and you'll be able to switch that and swap that because there's not just going to be one currency. There's going to be hundreds, if not thousands, of currencies, and that's the future we're headed into. If we, if we really believed in in what's going to happen with decentralized finance, that's that's what's going to go on. It's not just going to be one ring t- wins them all, takes them all like a Bitcoin. I totally do not believe that. But it's part of the story, and we totally lost half of our audience as I, as I, was, I was talking say. about that. But <laughs> it does play in. It does. It, it's well, like you're watching that meter. You're watching the meter, the audience meter, and it's just diving, no, no, no. diving, hey, diving, diving, no, diving. No, see, our, some yeah. of our audience wants to hear this because, frankly, there's two reasons. If you work for a marketer, if you're a marketer at a big brand. You have some kind of a loyalty rewards program. You need to be looking right now at tokenizing that. That is an opportunity. You can take it. You can put it as an asset on the balance sheet at some point. That's a big deal. So they need to figure that one out. And then if you're a small business, if you're a content creator, content entrepreneur, you have the opportunity to create your own mini economy by tokenizing. So these are new business models. We don't know where they're going to go, but it's absolutely a thing. By the way, if you hear rustling in the background i was gonna say do you have a printing do you have a printing press no going back i'm sorry there, about do you that. have we a, are, i'm our sewing I'm getting, machine i mean there's a there's some kind of a black uh cloud over my office right now and it's crying uh and oh uh, i oh, see i'm getting a, i'm right right through a storm right now it seems to nice. happen usually when we record somebody is cutting down a tree or or blowing leaves or some kind of thing. Now today it's a storm. 
And that's what you're hearing. So my apologies. It's right off yeah. the roof here. You're hearing. God is crying about your <laughs> NFTs is what's happening. That's but what's, what's interesting. Really happening. See, here's the thing. We're having more financial oh, conversations no. here because we have yeah. to. Because you're seeing marketing, content creation, and finance, and, and uh, the financial aspects of these business models all come together as one. It's real. Doesn't that just segue nicely into our first story? <laughs> Let's talk about that. <laughs> it does actually segue very nicely here. So, the, so interesting, folks. We have a lot of breaking news uh, dun, this dun, week. Dun. Um, really, I mean, literally stuff that happened in the last day. Uh, our first story, our top story, I guess it would be, is that uh, it comes courtesy of TechCrunch, uh, is that former President Trump is now announced that uh, he will launch his own social media platform, calling it Truth Social. I'm just going to let that lie there. Um, I'm not even going to touch it. But the article opens up by saying former U.S. President Donald Trump announced Wednesday that he will launch his own social media platform, Truth. That's all in caps, folks. Truth Social, uh, according to a press release by Trump Media and Technology Group, which is also a new company. And to me, the more interesting story, to be quite frank. Um, Trump's new social network is set to launch a beta version in November, which will be available to invited guests only. Its national rollout is expected in the first quarter of 2022, says the press release. Trump signals his aspirations to create a rival social media platform after he was kicked off from several social media platforms. Earlier this year, major social media firms, including Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, banned or suspended Trump for violating their policies following the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Uh, I created Truth Social and TMTG. To stand up to the tyranny of big tech, we live in a world where the Taliban has a huge presence on Twitter, yet your favorite American president has been silenced, said Trump in a statement. The article goes on to basically talk a little bit about the Truth Social app, uh, where you can get a preview of it in the App Store and basically, I guess, you know, sort of sign up for it when it becomes available. Uh, and the interesting thing to me is, is, and there's a link to the press release, Then uh, I would love to get your take on this, Joe. Um, is that the Trump Technology Media, or excuse me, Trump Media and Technology Group, um, if you look at it, basically it's a merger of an existing SPAC, and we've talked about sure, SPACs on yeah. this show before, which is a special, uh, what special, is it, special something acquisition, acquisition special purpose acquisition company, which was um, a, a company called the Digital World Acquisition Corporation, DWAC, which is already a public company, folks. Um, the stock has more than uh, doubled in the, in the last um, since the since the announcement. So it's gone up uh, uh, to fourteen dollars or something like that. Just literally in the last few days. Oh my god, it's up one hundred percent today. Yeah, Holy I mean it's it's unbelievable. Jeez. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and it basically, if you look at it, it's uh, it, what <laughs> in the weirdest kind of way it's not unlike deals that Trump has done before where he's basically lent his name to whether it's you know steak knives or a university or whatever he's now lent his name to a SPAC uh, which will assumably uh, by NASDAQ rules they have to at some point make acquisitions of technology companies and become a actual you know you know either fintech or technology or social media or something they're going to have to make some acquisitions somewhere and basically justify their stock and and money that they've that they've got tied up in this thing so 
it'll be really interesting to see the technology companies that become part of the Trump Media and Technology Group as they start to launch this social media network uh, as well. So I don't know. Do you have a special take on this? Well, just weird things like every time I see uh, TMTG, I I actually I was like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because the TMNT is <laughs> it's very very right. close. Yeah. So I, I don't know if anybody looked at that. Look, we, we've talked about where a former president Trump fell down with his uh, content strategy a long time ago that he never really focused on email and collecting names. He focused on the centralized big tech platforms such as Twitter. And then when Twitter, who can make all the rules, just like they can do with any company, shut them down, shut him down, he lost all that power. He lost that network. And he lost that audience that was never his in the first place. And that was a tra- it was a tragedy from the strat- strategic standpoint. So now I think that this is probably a good move where he's not under he doesn't have to worry about somebody changing the rules because his him and his team can make the rules. So great. I don't know how I feel about another uh, niche political social app. There's already a lot of them. If if we want another one, great. I think it's a good move personally for Trump. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right. It's it's just like his stake deals and his tie deals where he's leveraging out his name, his brand image, his likeness, just like a college player. We talked about the name and image likeness thing with college athletes being able to do that. Well, so does Donald Trump. And Trump has been able to do this and, and we'll see how it goes. I'm sure it'll attract a yeah. lot of sponsors. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, good, good for him. Good for him. Not necessarily well, a platform a, I'll be on, but you know, a lot of people. No, will. it's one to watch for sure because you know when you when you look. I mean, <laughs> you're not to put too fine a point on it, but he's he's becoming a you know he's he is joining the content creator, the content entrepreneur economy, right? I mean, he is he is absolutely uh, becoming part of it, and uh, it will be very interesting to see after you know as we follow this if he can actually build a niche audience i mean you know and 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 really follow the plan right i mean it, it, you know and follow the the content inc plan and 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 focus on a platform and build an audience and monetize that audience and you know i i I, I I myself won't be an audience member myself, but I will be following it very closely to watch the strategy here and see, you know how it uh, how it plays out for them because it's it's fascinating to me and and the most fascinating thing to me is, you know I know there's been a real sort of decline, you know just literally it, you talk about a, a you know a tulip market or something like that, you know the the idea of SPACs you know sort of grew. Uh, you know, Galloway had had some statistic on his show that he talked. He said, you know, in the first three months there were you know hundreds of SPACs that were launched, and in the last three months, you know, it's really really fallen off a cliff mm-hmm. basically. Um, in the last, but that doesn't mean that some of these SPACs won't survive and 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 won't and won't do well. Um, it's just a really interesting marketplace right now for these big investment companies blank check corporations i mean that literally in the I, I read through the sec filings of digital world acquisition corp when, when they went public and i didn't get a chance to you know i've just started reading it um this morning and i and i read a bit of it to say i wanted to see who the people were um not surprisingly none of them really from 
technology. Um, there's one guy who, who had formed a, a tech company way back, but most of them are investment bankers or investment consultants who formed this thing in 2020 with the idea of acquiring and rolling up a bunch of technology companies in the manufacturing and logistics and fintech space. You know, so if you read through their, their SEC you know, proposition for going public, it reads very much like one of the other SPACs. And, and now all of a sudden, they're not that anymore, right? They're overnight. They are and now that's the SPAC, part yeah. of you just yeah, Trump you fill world. the you fill the shell. Yeah, exactly. And so now, what will they fill the shelf with? And that, to me, I have to you know, we're going to talk a lot about Martech in this in this episode. But uh, I think it'll be fascinating to see what they fill. Well, the I shelf think the with. learning is uh, first of all, he has a he has a content tilt. He's he's, he's got a hook. There's a personality there. There's yep. a definite. Yep. Uh, mission and stance that's differentiated, uh, leverage the big social platforms. And maybe you could argue that this was done a little bit later. It could have been done earlier, but that's okay. And then move to an own property. That's what every content creator needs to do. So, and this is, yeah, so I think this, you, I'm ever, I, I think this you is could, the first time I'm going to say this in this respect, you can follow what Donald Trump is doing. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe the only time. There's the headline for your show title. No, yeah. I have a lot of friends that, that uh, you know, I don't want to ruffle the, the, the waters. Or whatever. Wait, we, we're done with yeah. this story. Yeah. Okay, fine. Next. Yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> it will be. Let's to be continued. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Moving on to our next story here. Um, Pinterest uh, is this is also breaking news a little bit is said to be in talks to buy a uh, PayPal, I should say, is, is said to be in talks to buy Pinterest for uh, forty five billion dollars. That's with a B, folks. Forty five wow, billion dollars. Yeah. Um, yeah. If completed, it would be the largest consumer Internet deal of the past decade. Uh, the story that we'll link to in the show notes comes to us courtesy of The New York Times where it said digital payments and online shopping go hand in hand. Now PayPal is trying to unite one with the other. The Silicon Valley digital payments giant has offered to buy Pinterest, the digital pin board company that enables e-commerce within its app in a deal valued at about $45 billion, according to people with knowledge of the discussions. PayPal has offered around $70 a share for Pinterest. The people said a 25% increase from Pinterest's opening share price on Wednesday. If completed, the deal would be the largest in the consumer internet industry in the past decade, topping Microsoft's $26 billion purchase of LinkedIn, almost by 2x, by the way, um, of LinkedIn in 2016, and Salesforce's $27.7 billion acquisition of Slack last year. That's, I mean, it's it's the article goes on to explain some more uh, details and some quotes from folks that are closer to the deal and you know what they think of it and all of that. Um, but what do you think of it, Joe? I, I think this is I mean, look at PayPal. I mean, holy smoly, this has been a, a, a resurrection and sort of renaissance for PayPal. Well, the first of all, I didn't realize when we first started doing the interviews for the latest version of Content Inc., how many of the content creators leverage Pinterest. Like I, I almost forget because I'm not on Pinterest, so I wasn't following it probably like I should. But the number of yeah. content creators that are making a living off of Pinterest and building audiences there is phenomenal. So spend some time on it if you have it. You're just like, oh my god, look at this! This person's got sharing this stuff and that stuff, and there's a lot of audiences being built. So that's the one thing that gets me. But the se- with affiliate marketing, right? Mostly is that the business model? Is it, is affiliate I, marketing? It, a, a lot of that comes from yes, they click through. 
And so let's say you build an audience and then you share a product or service, they can click through and then they get paid on that. Absolutely. Or they That's can right. sell okay. or yeah. you can sell okay. your own products and services on there. Absolutely. Use yeah. that as a place to do yeah. that. But I think that the PayPal thing, first of all, you're like, what? PayPal? And then you're like, oh, I get it because you're seeing this on TikTok. You're seeing it on Snap. You're seeing it on Pinterest. Everything is commerce related. Right. Every everything's leading to something you you being able to buy something. So what's happening on some of these TikTok channels is they're coming out in this new outfit with new shoes and you'll be able to click through and buy and the creator takes a cut of that. And what makes it all happen? Your payment solution, your square, your of course. PayPal, your MasterCard, your Visa, whatever that is. That is unbelievable how that's happening. So PayPal's saying, Wow, it I mean think about what's going to happen basically all of pinterest then can be run through paypal's payment solution i mean <laughs> yeah oh my god it's it's brilliant it is absolutely brilliant. yeah no I it's could see, yeah it's fantastic well, so yeah. then take this so what's going to happen let's say this goes through what's going to happen is you're going to see amex and mastercard and visa and a bunch of the other ones start doing the same thing and buying media sites content creator sites it's going to be nuts it's it's I think it's already yes, started. If I mean, I, I'll I, I guarantee you those companies are looking at media sites right now and, and doing exactly that. And they and I think the the slowness of those sort of older, you know, you've, you've seen this. Ha I mean, this has happened. Uh, you know, the deals like this are happening. Right. You know, so, you know, if you don't know and many of you, I'm sure do, you know, the Apple credit card, you know, the, that you can get literally when you get your new iPhone, you can sign up for the Apple pay credit card and get it right on your phone. And, and, you know, and all of that, that's Goldman Sachs, right? So Goldman Sachs basically, you know, creates, you know, a, a payment, uh, credit card that they, you know, that they're making money on through and private labeling through the, you know, through the Apple brand. And, 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 and that's, that, those are the kinds of deals that I would expect, Amex to start making and Visa to start making very very soon here is is look at these content networks and 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 technology networks and start to say hey we can be the payment platform for you know for well, all these we things. just covered was it two shows ago that Intuit bought Mailchimp yep so you're it's exactly yeah, the same thing. you're seeing it's exactly the, the, the whole, same thing. they're targeting that audience that audience has financial needs Intuit will be that representative I, it's un, it's unbelievable. It's amazing. We started talking about this at the beginning of the show. I didn't think all the stories would be related. Yeah, it's weird. It's Funny how enough, plans these things out. <laughs> I, I it's, it's weird that way. It's just strange. Nuts. It's uncanny. Nuts. Nuts. Crazy. I'm telling you. Um, it's almost like we've done a few of these. Um, all right. Moving on to our next story here, which is a really interesting one as well, and also breaking news. I have to say. This has been, you know, this is where you come, folks. This is where you come for the breaking news that will help you understand. Thankfully, what's going all these on things the come out. Yeah, media, thankfully, all these things come out marketing, on, on Tuesday and, and yeah, they come out Tuesday yeah. and Wednesday, so we can break the news on Thursday and send it out on Friday. On Thursday, yeah, there we go. Uh, Facebook apparently is going to change its whole corporate brand. Um, thanks to all of you who sent this over, by the way, through the hashtag, through email, like this. We got bombarded with this story. Um, and so thanks to all of you for doing that. Really, really appreciate it. Um, but you can't miss it. Um, you can't miss the the Mr. Uh, Doma Arigato, Mr. Roboto, Mark Zuckerberg staring out at you from all of these stories, uh, basically saying, uh, 
Facebook, and this one comes to us courtesy of Media Post, by the way, uh, whose latest scandal is its admission that it's allowed users to share information about human smuggling. What a way to open a story. <laughs> That's just, you know. Could have gone so many directions the, there, but. <laughs> so many directions there. And the, can't you imagine the PR person's just like, that's a face palm oh, right there. Like, oh, great. Really? Anyway, uh, is set to reveal a corporate rebranding at its annual Connect conference on October 28th, if not sooner. The coming name change is likely to be intended to tie the images of the company and CEO Mark Zuckerberg to a focus on building the metaverse, a source with direct knowledge of the matter told The Verge. And The Verge, by the way, is one who kind of broke this story. Facebook declined to comment on the report. Of course they did. A rebranding that positioned Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, and other holdings under a new umbrella name might also be meant to help address the increasingly negative perceptions of the Facebook brand. Good luck with that. Um, the article goes on to to talk a little bit more about the challenges they've had. We'll also link in the show notes to the Verge article that sort of um, did, but it's a little shorter. It basically says, hey, we're going to change our, the, the Facebook's going to change its name. And the new name uh, is rumored to be Horizon, which would be interesting enough. But what do you think Actually, about this, Actually, it's Joe? funny. I have insider information on what the name is, and I know and I can predict with certainty what the name is going to be. Uh-oh. You want to hear it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm ready. The Facebook. <laughs> do you talk to just? Do you no, talk to Justin go, Timberlake? They're, they're going no, to go Justin back. Timberlake? They're yeah. going to go back to the original name, back to their roots. No, they're not. It was originally called the Facebook. They are not. Edwards Ed, Eduardo Savarin is going to be the new CEO. I see. Oh, wow! Yeah, no, Fantastic. And, um, <laughs> so, yeah. first of all, um, this makes perfect sense with the trouble that Facebook seems to be in almost every day in a new direction. Uh, it's very difficult, actually, when you are the internet in some countries to actually keep the people on there only saying certain things. I mean, you're getting every part of the wonderful nature of humans and the worst parts of humans on that network, and Facebook's there to referee it. It's, I can't imagine how difficult it is to do that. And then, of course, there's good and bad with them, you know, obstructing or allowing certain points of view. So... They're going to change their name. Alpha, you know, Google did the same thing. What was it, 15? Changed from yeah. you know, to Alphabet yeah. and the whole new vision Alphabet, of the company. Yeah. There's a lot of moving parts. Which work not at all, by the way, because everybody refers to them as Google. No, yeah. I think a lot of this is when and you and, you and I listen to the Prof G show. Talks about, he talks about breaking up Facebook all the time. And this is, might be yeah. one way to get around that and say, okay, well, no, we're, we're different pieces. We're different parts. If they were going to break it up, maybe maybe this is a thing where you, you create the holding company. I don't know how they're going to do this. I do like the focus on you know whether we're calling it the metaverse now. I think that's where... If any, if Facebook has a competitive advantage in any area, it would be that one, especially with them owning Oculus. And um, I think that you know, the article I read said 10,000 employees are focused right now. 10,000 employees are focused on building out this yeah. metaverse project. And for, by the way, just if you don't know what metaverse is, nobody really knows what it's going to be. But it, I think of things like you're living your life on the web in a different uh, reality like uh, Roblox would be like a Minecraft, but you're almost in that character. We're seeing a lot of this in gaming right now. Um, you're seeing with the NFTs and Sandbox where people are buying plots of land for whatever the metaverse might be. Uh, so if, if of all the 
big tech companies, Facebook might have the the upper hand with that. So from that, I agree with. Will the name change do anything? I I don't even think it's news, but whatevs. Well, I here's why. Here's what. Here's the story I think behind the story, um, which is this is Facebook preparing for getting uh, broken up. And I think, you know, by by moving to a more alphabet-like structure where they have a parent company, which would be ostensibly everything that is Facebook right now, and then relegating Facebook to just one of their companies, when they get the order at some point to sort of divest themselves of something, that it makes it way easier for them to divest themselves of those. And they may even, quite frankly... If things continue the way they're going for Facebook itself, they could simply divest themselves you know, willingly of the Facebook yes. brand, right? And 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 sell that piece off, or you know, sell that platform off, or whatever. I'm, I don't think they would right now. It's too huge of a cash cow. By the way, fun fact on this: Facebook ad revenue for the first half of 2021. Want to guess how much billion? How many billions? How, just, I mean, take a while. Okay, guess. take a while. Facebook guess. first half, ju- first half of twenty twenty one. Yeah, first half of twenty twenty one. Take a guess at the at the at the amount thir- of revenue. Thir- Thirty for Facebook. billion. billion dollars for just the first half. For the first half of the year. Holy, that's mo- bigger. By the way, and and somebody else, somebody pointed this out in uh, Bo Sachs's e- email that. Basically, that first half figure from Facebook represents a great full year for the entire publishing industry. <laughs> that sounds about right. Just yeah. to just to put that into perspective for you folks, yeah, they're not, they're doing just fine. By the way, yeah, yeah they're not, they're not they're not hurting. Uh, I yeah, I think I agree yeah, with you. I think hurting. it's it's a smart play. It's it's they've a mo- it's a corporate. It's they're shuffling around a things. Yeah, on them and they know it. Yeah, and they know it. They, they they and they know it, and they know it's coming, and so they need to start reorganizing the corporate things. Google did it for the same reason, by the way. I'm sure Google did it for the same reason back in 2015. They 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 wanted to reorganize things in a way that gave that Google's just one of our products. Google's you know it's just one of our products, and we've got a bunch of products. We've got YouTube. We've got this thing. We've got that thing. And 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 for them, it was really after they purchased um, the the Motorola stuff, right? The hardware stuff. Um, and that was one of the reasons they, they, they did it at that point was to sort of organize and reorganize around that. So I think, I think you're seeing a similar thing here. Just in okay. this case, Facebook's I, building I, it, not I buying it. I have some more possible names. Okay, here you go. Okay. okay. So All first right. one is yeah, easy. Right. First one would be yeah. uh, Zuckerland. <laughs> I think Zuckerland, yeah, Zuckerland could, could is work. a good one. How about, yeah, yeah. how about Zigzag? How about <laughs> Zoogle? Yeah. Does that work? How about yeah. Zinstagram? Yeah. How about how about I'm gonna get you Zucker? <laughs> oh, yes! What a yeah. reference! That's yeah. Oh, that would be. Yeah, I would love that. I might actually go yeah. back to being on Facebook more if I was on. I'm gonna get you Zucker. dot com. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on, shall we? Sure. <laughs> Before we get into sure. trouble. Yeah. Go. All right. Uh, our wonderful sponsor for this episode, by the way, is MarTech Alliance. And at some point, you'll hear a little bit more about them uh, in this episode. But uh, they have issued a new report. 
Uh, and their new report is just fantastic. And the report that they do, it's original research on the landscape of marketing technology. And got to say, it was a really, really great read. Um, they sent it over to us a little beforehand of publishing so we could sort of have a take on it. And there are some really interesting things in this report that you're going to want to know if you're thinking about marketing technology. Um, since I'm sort of the resident marketing technology nerd here, uh, I've, I've taken a deep dive into it, um, Joe. And so yeah, but I would, would love to get your take, like obviously, I mean, on these things. What's interesting is, is that you work with large larger enterprises than I do. And, uh, and they're yeah. dealing with all kinds of havoc on the marketing technology side. So I'd love to get your lens as to how this report reads for you. It, it reads it reads really well. I disagree with some of the though. So like many of the original research uh, uh, reports out there, including CMIs, they bring in some experts to sort of provide a point of view on what they think um, about the results. Um, and I have some, I mean, they're not big disagreements. They're, they're tweaks or slight disagreements that I'll, 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 I'll point out here in just a moment, but overall the research is, is fantastic. And it's, and it's by the way, much needed in this business. Um, because there's not a lot of non-vendors out there doing this kind of work. So it's, it's really great to see sort of more, uh, let's just say straight up and not sort of content marketing oriented slanted research well, in, in, in well, this way. Well, the other thing is it's, it's not all fo- – and, and some of the other research outfits focus on just the big players, which is a concern. And this That's one right. doesn't. It, it look, great it's trying point. to look at yeah, the entire point. landscape. That's a great point. And so uh, the first thing that it opens up with is, you know, uh, Scott Brinker. Of course, Scott Brinker featured uh, prominently through this because Scott's such a great thinker in this space. And um, they talk a little bit about the the MarTech 5000, the MarTech 10,000, whatever you want to call it these days. And the quote that sort of stuck out to me was he said, look, we haven't been doing we haven't done it yet for this year. We're researching it actively. And but he said, I'm quite confident that we're going to see more than 10,000 vendors if we publish oh. them. Our tech That's, in a landscape so today it's just it's just yeah. amazing it's just you know there's so many vendors out there trying to do much of the same thing um i absolutely love the fact that they they put in the report this uh, comprehensive listing of uh acquisitions in the last year i had totally forgot uh about the citrix and right uh uh, mm-hmm. acquisition, which was huge. It's a couple of billion dollars, and I had completely um, not uh, paid attention to that. Interestingly, uh, one of the research results that they came up with was that uh, we're now in marketing spending more on MarTech than we do actually on media, um, which I thought was interesting. And we spend the same. So it's basically 61% say they're going to increase their marketing tech budget over the next year. Uh, but we're already spending about 22, 23% uh, on, and which is the same percentage that uh, these people reported that they spend on media, and it's actually more than they spend on people. <laughs> so we actually spend more on technology than we do people right now, which is fascinating to me, and something that I can vouch for. I think that's something that we see, certainly in the work that we do. Um, the fascinating thing to me, one of the, the fascinating results that I'll point out uh, uh, that I thought was the skills and talent thing. This is something that we have focused a lot of our work on is where the skills and talent with marketing technology has has really evolved to. Because one of the things that I think technology vendors have absolutely 
squandered in the last 15 years is this myopic focus on ease, right? It was all, every technology vendor says the same thing, which is it's easy. Business users can use this. This is an easy thing to do. This is easy. You should be able to do this. No problem. Business users can manage this technology. It's empowering your business users. It makes it easy. Easy to use interfaces. Easy to use everything. Easy to understand reports. And none of that is true for any technology, by the way, in the marketing tech space that's worth its salt because they are expert systems. And so when I see this number in the, in the, in the research that basically says... 42% said that they don't have the internal skills and talent needed to capitalize on the, the investments in technology that they're making. Um, but also, 42% said they do. So that's split in half. But 15% say they're neutral about it. And by the way, as you like to say, if you're neutral about it, the answer is no, you're not confident. <laughs> you don't have the confidence, you know, like if you don't know, exactly. the answer is That's no, right. <laughs> you yeah. don't have any confidence. And so what I, what, I, what I see is that basically 67% don't have the confidence that they have the internal skills and talent needed to capitalize on MarTech. And that is something we see all over the place, which are businesses, quite frankly, that do not know how to use the technology that they have. And then they and then they dive a little deeper there and they basically go, uh, okay, well what is the, you know, what is the deal with that? And they say, you know, who's managing that for you? Is marketing managing that for you or is IT managing your your um, your your technology? 10% say that it's themselves, basically marketing, um, and 1% say it's IT, and then basically Every, and then mostly it's split. There's an even responsibility, right? I think it's like, you know, 25% basically say it's yeah, evenly what do you, split. What do you think about that split? Marketing. I, what I think about that split is that we, so what we're doing, and this is, I'll just, this is an observation contextually from all of the clients that we work with, because we see that too, right? Which is what we're doing is it's too hard for marketing people to do. For the most part, it's not easy for the business user. It, business users are not empowered. So we recruit IT to help us manage the technology that we're putting in, but they don't know how to do it because what we're, what we're mistaking is that this is not a technology issue, right? In other words, a technology issue that IT should be taking care of is code implementation, making sure that the machines have enough memory to run the thing or that we're connecting through the right APIs to the right technology over the cloud and making those technology types of decisions and implementations to make the technology run better. That's an IT responsibility. Actually pushing the buttons and actually knowing which buttons to push and you know, publishing things or measuring things or sending emails out or whatever the technology is supposed to do for you. That should be a marketing responsibility. And quite frankly, because these are expert systems, because they're hard to learn and they're, they need experts in not just implementing them, but managing them, marketing hasn't invested in that yet. And so when I see the number that say basically 60% agree that recruiting talent is hard, what that tells me is, is that we're not leaning into the fact that marketing should be, it's okay. It's, we need to just be okay with the fact that marketing technology is difficult. It's, you know, nobody expects you as an accountant to run and be able to run a financial system on day one. You have to learn it. You have to get involved in it and you become expert at it. 
The same thing should be true with marketing technology, and we shouldn't shy away well, from it's that. It's such That's a, what the it's insight such an important point. I've had the the pleasure of riding along on a couple uh, marketing automation implementations, which just say, oh, yeah. okay, well, here we got to do this and this and get this person involved, and in three to six months, we should have everything done and integrated, whatever. Some of these things go on for years and one of the biggest yeah, issues right. to your point is they just don't have they don't understand that it takes a a lot more people than they think to run these things and then they don't have the proficiency so they're out there looking for they're either they're either trying to skill up somebody or they're trying to bring somebody in and even with even small implementations they, i would see 5 7 9 people just working on the marketing automation it's ridiculous. Right. So you're right. I mean, that's you know, where we're headed, where you're going to have that kind of tech, need to have that kind of technology savvy on the marketing side. And it's obviously not there yet. Even, yeah. yeah. Even in the small business world, right? Even in the small business world, even me as a tiny little business, right, with something like QuickBooks, I would never hire a bookkeeper or an accountant that wasn't familiar and an expert at QuickBooks. Because I know that that's a system that they need to know in order to do their job. I would not assume that if I was going to hire somebody that I would just, ah, it's, it, it's, it's, it's easy enough for a business user to understand. No, it's not. It's an accounting system and it's an expert system and it needs to be yeah. treated as such. We should, be, we should expect the same of our marketing, content management, digital asset management, email, social media. All those things are expert systems and we should just lean into that. We should lean in that marketing has become a very sophisticated and very difficult uh, expert function in the business. And so that's okay. I'll close with this um, because I thought it would be an interesting discussion for you and me. One of the things that they talked about is the future, obviously. Um, and the report says the marketers basically say that the, their biggest future investment is Internet of Things, 60%. Artificial intelligence is next. Um, and no code, low code is uh, in there as well. No code, low code being you know new applications that require zero code um, or very little code to actually make work and do what you needed to do. And Brinker, I think, says something really interesting, um, says that the no-code, low-code thing is not really a category, it's a feature, uh, which I agree with 100%. Like you're saying you have to just um, make sure that it's that easy to use it's, today. You, it's, that's baked yeah. into everything we do, right? It's just, I also think that artificial intelligence is that as well, right? So when I think of AI for marketing, I don't think that's a category. I think that's gonna become a feature of just about everything else that's in there. So it's really just marketing tech, and then AI is part of, you know, what is getting, you know, it's a platform, it's a feature within the MarTech that we're doing. There really isn't a category called AI that's, that's going to, that's going to drive things. And that to me makes a lot more sense, but, 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 um, and that's a fun conversation probably for, for another day, but blockchain is also on that. And I'll bet, and I'll, this may surprise you, I'll bet blockchain supplants AI in the next year in terms of marketing I priorities. Just because of the conversation we were having today. It's so funny that if if we had this conversation a year ago, blockchain probably wouldn't even come up. And no, how right. quickly exactly right. this thing is moving and creating all sorts of new models that we didn't anticipate. I, I would agree. Of course, I yeah. think you probably would, would know that I would agree that blockchain is is going to. But, I, but nobody knows yeah. what that means yet from a marketing standpoint because the models are being built right now. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, first through the wall get, are getting bloody figuring this thing out. They're just yep. right now well, I think benefiting a lot from the I trend. Saw some, 
uh, and you're seeing that with Gary Vaynerchuk or Tom Bilyeu and a bunch of different models out there. But I, I'm it's interesting about the AI thing. Obviously, Paul Reitzer, who runs uh, uh, Marketing AI Institute, he will probably I don't know if he would agree with you on the idea that it's just a feature. But even if it is, the amount of things that the marketing department is doing right now that they won't have to do in the next five years, it's probably the majority of what marketers are doing. So, And a lot of that will be automated. So which is just amazing that we just don't even realize yet how quickly all this is, is moving. And even, I think I told you the other day, I just feel so behind I can't catch up. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you and I, it's our job to to be on, you know, to read the news and to figure out what the latest trends are. I can't imagine a, a full-time content creator, full-time marketer that has to deal with the new tech issues and figure this thing well, out. Well, luckily they have this show. They have this show, it's Joe. Just, they have this, this show. This is why we to, are around to just make everyone's life This is weird. Better. This is the service we provide to the world. We're here. We're we're givers. We're givers really. You know, when you think about it, we're givers. Well, well, you're a giver. We're givers. I'm you're a giver. Oh, no, you're that's a giver. So nice of you. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a quick word from our sponsor. The world has changed and so has the way we learn. Embrace a new approach to building the skills and knowledge you need to succeed. The MarTech Alliance, a specialist learning solutions provider in marketing, tech, and data, provides a suite of learning options across its events, courses, and resources for both individuals and teams. Combining the digital and physical, live and on-demand, formal and informal, micro and intensive slash in-depth instructor-led self-surf and community-based to deliver rich learning experiences. From its anti-conference, MarTech Fest, to its market research webinars and certified digital courses, you can keep learning and keep upgrading. Check out the MarTech Alliance to help drive your career and company. If you want more details, please visit martechalliance.com training. That's martechalliance.com training. And now, back to the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for your favorite and empirically proven favorite part of the show. It is, of course, our rants and rave section where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave that makes us feel like the Dallas Cowboys or makes us feel a little bit like the Cleveland Browns. See what I did there? See how I did that? Um, Anyway, you want me to go first? Mine's quick. Um, I got a very, very quick one um, just to to round things out. Uh, It's a continuation of my rant. on content marketing, this is like mentioned. a four episode do, rant. I mean, I, you know, it's. I'm just going to keep going. I'm, I think I'm just going to keep it going for a <laughs> it's while. A um, rant. So, yeah, I'm just. I'm just going to make it uh, an ongoing series, right? It'll be like the Mandalorian. It never quite resolves, right? Um, so, this week, uh, it, it, unbeknownst to probably most of you, uh, advertising week happens. Um, yeah. Great. I I didn't even realize it was happening, but yeah, it's happening right now. And I Remember guess people in when New the York entire are, marketing industry stopped oh, the, this, to see. Yeah. When advertising week would happen. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It really has changed. Um, I will say I went through the sessions. Um, and well, by the way, we'll link to an article in Marketing Dive that sort of um, talks about reviews, some of the, the agenda and what's going on there and the outlook. It's a good article. 
um, as usual from Marketing Dive. Um, but I went through, as I want to do, uh, because of course, no, nobody reached out to me <laughs> and said, you know, hey, you want to come talk on content marketing at Advertising Week? You know, um, my bad for not basically uh, applying. You I have guess, to apply. If there was such year, a thing, you know even. Yeah, I, I, oh, I'm going to try. I'm going to see. I, you know, I, I, I'm actually looking for the place to apply, but I don't see that. And by the way, they have some great speakers. There are some great sessions that are that are, that look there. Uh, but I will say two things. One is. And I think you know where I'm going with this. There was woefully little or none, probably the more accurate quantity uh, of sessions devoted to the idea of content marketing or content strategy. The one session I did see on content strategy was basically how television networks can navigate over the top uh, types of strategies versus broadcast and cable strategies, which is okay. Um, I don't know why that was called content strategy, but there you go. Um, but if you're looking to learn about Gen Z, well, Advertising Week has you set up, folks, because there were no less than 25 or 20 uh, sessions on Gen Z. Gen Z navigating Gen Z. Gen Z is the new uh, big market for you. How to get, how to talk to Gen Z. Gen Z, by the way, my favorite was after it sort of last on the list of this was a session called Gen Z hates being called Gen Z. So stop calling them Gen <laughs> Z. And it really was titled oh that. God. So <laughs> I, yeah. Um, anyway, my rant is only that it, it's woefully little on that. And then supplemented by an article that we'll link to. And thanks to uh, Pieter van Degel. Uh, Pieter, I'm, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing your name correctly. At P. Van Degel uh, on Twitter. Thank you for the hat tip. Or excuse me, thank you for the pointed uh, story here from OutsideBusinessJournal.com, uh, which had a wonderful story uh, about all of these new companies, these outdoor brands. Great case studies, by the way, for those of you looking for outdoor brands, case studies and content marketing, are turning customer stories, not content marketing, customer stories into marketing gold. And then it opens up by saying, story-based marketing is hot right now. Did you guys know this? Story-based marketing is hot right now. Yes. Uh, three new campaigns from the North Face, Houdini, and Kari Tra uh, show how outdoor companies are leaning into the trend. And it goes on to talk about some wonderful case studies from these companies. Uh, again, I'm just, you know, I, I don't know at this point whether to blame myself, um, which I'm doing plenty of, by the way. So, you know, there, there is that. Um, but it just, it's just, it, it's so funny. It's like, it, it literally is the, uh, Voldemort of, uh, you know, of words. It just seems that the main mainstream media just can't say the words. So I don't think it's going to, that's happen. my rant for this week. I don't know. Yeah, it, it may not, not happen. It may not. It might not, but I'm going to keep working. just going to advertising. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. All right. Um, thank you for that. The continued rant, that four episode rant. We enjoyed yes. that. Mine is very quick. Mine is a rave, and I really enjoyed this article from Coindesk. You and I have had many conversations. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, you and I yeah. have had many conversations about. Uh, and you've mentioned the fact that why would anybody buy a JPEG? Because I can right click on that JPEG and I can save it, and there's no value and blah blah blah. Yeah. Wah, so wah, I wah, like wah, this wah, article yeah. specifically because it it tries to debunk that, and I'm going to read a little bit from it. So so this is from this CoinDesk article. CoinDesk is sort of like the media company for crypto, if you would, and they 
And they have no they have no stake in this game. Yeah, just they're just owned by it. They're completely hey, unbiased. They're completely unbiased in this in this yes, in this they, idea. So this wouldn't be content marketing or anything. But this please whole continue. Thing is content yes. marketing the whole thing? Yes. Un- um, they're the definitely pushing an thing. agenda. Uh, consider a yeah. com. Uh, so it says under rights. Consider a common dismissive response to the NFT buying frenzy. And I'm going to, I want everyone to picture that this is coming from Robert Rose, okay? Instead of people, it's going to say, it. Robert Rose asks, why on earth would someone yeah. pay millions of dollars for a JPEG that I can simply right click slash save to my hard drive? Rob, Robert why Rose has they? actually asked this question. Now that goes on to says the says the problem with the statement is it confuses possession of a digital file with rights to the artwork or information contained with it. So this is really important. The JPEG is really a representation only of the ownership file below it. So it's it says it's the latter that NFTs offer, creating provable, scarce digital mar- digital markers of value and providing a vital building block for a better system of rights enforcement so just to you know you, you are you are you buying that image you know, you're buying the rights to that image and what's involved in the smart contract of the non-fungible token so that if a, an artist goes ahead and sells that J, jpeg whatever that case is it's the right below it that you have you bought that and then if you resell that the smart contract works and pays off the you know the royalty rights of the owner and you are not selling the jpeg you are selling the rights to that underlying with the digital certificate that's on the blockchain so i just like this article it it dumbs it down a little bit where everyone can understand it because i would say 90% of people think oh i just bought this digital art well not really you bought something that represents the, the the rights behind it, and that's what's kept in the smart contract. And I think that that's just gonna this is gonna just be an area of confusion for a long period of time. So I'll put this in the show notes. Um, I would uh, I would request that everyone go ahead and read this because it is always <laughs> it is always a big issue of communication. And we're gonna yeah. by the way we've talked about this before. We will see. This version of smart contracts, whether there's a JPEG or whether it's an article or whether it's a music file, it's the underlying rights that are important kept in the smart contract and then will initiate yes. what needs to happen from whenever action is taken. Right. Well, that little asterisk is the key, right? If it confers ownership, then you're right. There are there are there there is a value exchange there. In terms of the ownership of the, you know, what what right? The question is, what rights are conferred? Um, and, and in other words, if you know, for example, the NFT I bought, I don't, I didn't get any ownership of it. I just got a certificate saying it was the original one. That's it. I don't own the rights to it. I can't sell it. I can't make T-shirts out of it. I can't, you know, I don't, I, I don't own any rights to it. Now, conversely, that. Parent, that yeah, dad thing dads. you bought, uh, yeah, cyber dads check. or yeah, whatever. We, we get the right. licensing rights you did, to the you, image. You, there you go. So that's different, right? So it's a different, it's a different, uh, what you're buying is different, right? When, you know, when, when so-and-so, whenever, you know, maybe it was an inside job, maybe it wasn't, whenever that person bought the Beeple the, for millions of dollars, they didn't get the rights to it. They didn't get rights. The Beeple retained all of the ownership rights. They just got a digital certificate said that, yeah, yeah, exactly. So 
that that's the difference. What are you buying? And by the way, that's, the that's digital I, in some cases the digital certificate may be enough. Like I, I mean, I and I thought talked to you about this last time. I mean, I I own a Mickey Mantle signed baseball, and that came with a digital. It came with a certificate of authenticity that is written down by whoever got the autograph. Well, is that? I mean, how great is that? So that could be forged. I don't know. So that's what we're trying to get to something that's provable and public and you can look and see every time. So what today with an NFT, you can use a you can go to etherscan, etherscan.com and you can go directly to the address of the NFT and you can see exactly who what a digital address owns it and how many times it's flipped and what the rights are. So that's where you have to do some research once you get past buying one or two NFTs and go in and say, "Okay, what are the rights? Like what what are the digital rights? What do they mean? What do they stand for?" And that's why we'll see all kinds of insurance programs have NFTs and all kinds of contracts in the future have NFTs and they'll just be publicly available that anyone can read on the blockchain. So we're getting there. We're about 12 to 18 months we'll be there. Probably. Yep. So there all you right. go. There you go. Right. Fun. Yeah. There you go. So, all right. Well, what's uh, what's up for uh, the week? So Browns game tonight, obviously. Hopefully people are listening nice. to this and they'll yeah. already know that the Browns, knock on wood, uh, won that game. <laughs> uh, and then our uh, our youngest is, is coming home for his fall break. So we're excited to have him back from Kentucky. And so we'll see him. We'll pick him up late, late tonight at the airport. So that'll be fun. And then I think the oldest is is coming back. And we're going to have a little family reunion on on Saturday. So. Yeah, so, so it'll great. be it'll be fun to see the oh, see the children again. Um, how about you? What do you got going on? Well, the weather is spectacular here in Southern California. I have to tell you, it's it's we're having a rare October where it's cool and a little rainy and just I mean everybody is just such in a happy mood here. So it's it's been fun to be outside. But you know, I'm like that magician in frosty the snowman busy 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 and so it's it's i've got i've got a ton of client work that i have to get done so i'm going to be busy this weekend doing that but of course i'll be watching many of the games my cowboys are on a bye this week so i won't be watching the cowboys but i'll be watching everybody else and hoping the the best for my depleted fantasy football team so that's that's my very that's my very weekend. good well one another wonderful show my friend not to pat ourselves yes, very on the much back, so. But, yeah. Very uh, no, but this was fun, and we are, by the way, folks, coming up to three hundred. We have a number of things next week. We'll probably start to introduce some fun, interesting homework assignments for you, maybe, or some things that we might have planned, or oh, yes. those kinds of things as we approach the number three hundred, which is going to be a very special episode that you're not going to want to miss. We're no spoiler alerts yet. But it's going to be. We're going to do some interesting and fun things. We got lots of stuff in the in the pipe for that. So in the meantime, if you want to get all the goodness of this podcast show notes or dive into any of the other 293 episodes, well, just get on over to our wonderful little website at thisoldmarketing.site. We want to thank the good folks at Radix for powering our thisoldmarketing.site. And if you want your own .site domain, get over to Radix and get your own .site domain. Until we meet again next week, just remember, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you soon on this old market.